Welcome to the One in One Podcast, where below average podcaster chats with an above average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget Bay. My guest today is former professional soccer player Kelly Conheny, who played with the Sky Blue FC in the WNSL in 2016, played overseas in Sweden, and played collegiately with Virginia Tech from 2009 to 2013. Kelly, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And, you know, we actually went to rival high schools and we determined we may have yelled and cursed at each other after a volleyball game. So I'm really happy we could put the past behind us and you could come on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Spartans, uh, friends of Spartans were our rival. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh, yeah. I remember... I remember uh, the volleyball games, basketball games. I mean, everything was like just beat Paramus. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was nuts. <laughs> it was so pretty you... nuts for like a high school rivalry. Yeah, it was pretty intense. From, like a small town in New Jersey, and not like Texas. You know, <laughs> where like football is huge and all the sports are so big. <laughs> yeah, but like looking back now, like I can't believe like volleyball games got so heated in the parking lot, and it was pretty crazy. <laughs> so many more important things oh, in life, man. right? <laughs> oh, yeah. You grew up in Ridgewood, New Jersey, a nice suburb of New Jersey outside New York City, and you're one of four kids. Pretty big family. Yeah, four kids. There's, uh, I'm the third. I have two older sisters and the younger brother, Johnny. Um, he's home right now in Ridgewood, living with my parents. He just graduated high school. He's pursuing his dream of being a musician playing the guitar, producing his own music and singing. Um, Megan is a year and a half older than me. She's moving to Thailand in a couple of months to teach English, um, living out her dreams as well. And my sister, uh, my oldest sister, who's about uh, three years older than me, is uh, moving down to Belmar. She's been, she's been in New York City for years, um, and now she's moving down, looking, looking at houses at the beach. That's wow. the whole fam. That's the whole Conheny clan. Wow. Big <laughs> yeah. things happening for all the Conheenies. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a good time in our lives. It's a good time. <laughs> for sure. And your sister <laughs> Megan played college soccer as well, didn't she? Yes. She went to Christopher Newport. Her and I actually played together growing up in high school. Um, she was number seven, so that's why I wanted to be number seven in the high school, like what she left. She was like always like, I just always looked up there. You know how you look up to your older sister? Of course. Um, so we played together a lot growing up, like club and high school. Um, and then, yeah, and then she ended up going to Christopher Newport, a really good division uh, three school playing soccer there. And we always like joked in college. We would, we would get on the phone together and like, she'd be like, oh my gosh. Because she was so, so fit. And she'd be like, Kelly, they just like destroyed us on our fitness today. And she was like, because I... You know, I played at Virginia Tech, and she was, I, I feel like they ran more than we did, and they were like a, a division three school. She was like, this is not fair. We're just <laughs> running every single day. <laughs> That's funny. And she always killed it. She was super fit. Nice. Yeah. Now, did you get into soccer when you were little from Megan? Uh, yeah, my sister, she was definitely a big part of it. Um, my dad coached my team when I was like eight years old. Um, I moved to New Jersey was born in Virginia, New Jersey. Then I moved to Illinois when I was like three to five years old. And then I moved back to uh, the same town in Ridgewood. And, <laughs> wow. um, and my dad coached my first team. I was like eight years old. It was like full of my best friends. 
Um, and then just kind of like growing up, I, I just fell in love with it. Like there were other sports that I played. I was like a little athlete. I just loved everything. Uh, I was like softball, basketball, you know, I ran, I played football at lunch with boys <laughs> and I was kind of like, you know, a tomboy just kind of like jumped into everything, but soccer just, just stuck. Cause I, I just felt like, I just, I don't know. I just gravitated towards that sport and loved it the most out of any of them. Um, and yeah, Megan definitely was a big part of my decision to continue to play growing up just because, you know, when you have like a, a sister that you can play, play around with, it's, it makes it that much more fun. So she was definitely a big part of the reason that I uh, stuck with the sport. Nice. Now, I know you played midfield yeah. in college. Were you a midfielder grow- all growing uh, up as well? No, I actually started as a center back. Wow. And I worked my way up. And I, I always tell that to little kids because I think it's so important to be, I mean, to try every position when you're little. Um, you know, there's like, there's like Alex Morgan's out there who's only played forward their entire lives. And it's obviously worked out really well for her. Mm-hmm. But for me, as like the way I see the game, like I learned so, so much just because I, you know, I was taught from a really young age as a center back to kind of, to kind of be like a, the puppet master on the field, if you will, like to just like lead the team and like use my voice. Cause I saw the whole field. So it was like the goalkeeper or the center back has to use their voice and have to communicate. So that really taught me from a young age to communicate, whether it was like shifting left or right or pressing or stepping. It taught me kind of like the basics of, of the game and positional positionally, like where every player was supposed to be. Um, so I started as a center back and kind of like worked my way up. And actually ended my career in Sweden as um, a forward. Oh, wow. Center forward, so. so you made your way yeah. all around the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the way. All the way around. Yeah. I mean, I even played goalkeeper. I mean, who doesn't, you know, when they're little? But, yeah, right. But it's like, it's so, yeah, I mean, it's so good to just when you're, when you're younger to get into, you know, to, to know what the field look, looks like from every position. Because it's so different if you're a right midfielder from a center midfielder or a defensive midfielder, like your position and your roles and like how you see the field and like, you know, what kind of what your roles and responsibilities are change in every position. So, um, yeah, it's really, it definitely, I mean, I, I think that helped me in my career for sure, starting in the back. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Kind of Did you play soccer? I really didn't. I mean, I played up until probably, what, like fourth grade? Soccer was never something I was into for some reason. And now I love watching it. Like, when the U.S. Women's National Team's on, I'll I'll watch all their games. But for some reason, when I was younger, that didn't stick. I played more basketball and softball growing up. Okay, okay, awesome, yeah. Yes, too bad bad I wasn't on the field. I would have totally crushed you. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, Just I mean, we, we had a pretty big rivalry with Paramus, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember that's playing. I remember playing them in the, in the rain one day, and, like, I feel like the whole game for the entire 90 minutes, my coach was just screaming at us, and <laughs> it was just always like that. It was like a bloodbath for, like, 90 minutes. Yeah, and I can we imagine. Like always barely, barely won. I think we lost to them once, um, but it was, it was always a big rivalry. Yeah, that's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> And, you know, playing center back, as you said, it definitely helped you. And we're going to get into your college career. But your college coach quoted you as one of the best two-way players she's ever she's ever seen at Virginia Tech, which means, you know, you were playing great offense and also great defense. Oh, she said that? 
Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, well, I think my thing was, um, you know, like whatever I did, whatever position I was in, I always like, I always gave 100%. So, you know, whether it was like playing, playing defense or playing midfield, I feel like midfield, I, I excelled in because I was a very attacking minded player, but then I would do the work to get back on defense. Um, which, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't like to do, but that's part of the job, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you gotta, you gotta kind of pick and choose when you play, when you attack and when you defend. But as a player, I was always trying to be a part of both and it <laughs> might've gone against me in some ways because I, I never stopped moving. I just like kind of, you know, I, I, I tried to be a part of every single play. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I just kind of adapted to that style of play because I was like, I wanted to be involved, but I don't think I would coach it in that way. I would definitely, I would definitely tell a player like me to be a little bit more reserved <laughs> on the attack. So I don't run myself into the ground. Yeah. I hear you. You also played club soccer for a really great team, the Montclair Aristocats. And I actually had one of your teammates on a couple yeah. of weeks ago, Jacqueline Wood, and she went on to play at Elon. What is- <laughs> yeah, Woody was my best friend. Woody's still one of my best friends to this day. And honestly, some of my best friends um, came from that team. I mean, you know, I mean, we were so committed. Every single player um, on that team went and played um, at a Division One school. And we were so committed. And then there were two, two or three of us that played professionally as well, which is, like, so unheard of from, like, one club. And it, you know, it's a testament to Ashley. Ashley Hammond was our was our coach, and Jordan Scott, um, he was our trainer as well. But it's a testament to them for bringing those players together and, um, and and being able to coach that team. I mean, I remember when they asked me to play for them, and and they were like, they were like, we want you to be a part of this team. I I really didn't know. I didn't know what like what kind of level they were at like we never played them but when I when I went to their practice for the first time I was like holy holy moly (laughs) I was like this team like they just played together like Barcelona I was like I've never seen anything like this and I kind of joke about it but it it is really true I felt like technically like I was I was you know just like kind of naturally athletic but not like you know I was just for a girl I was like always jumping into like football at lunchtime and I was like really I love sports and I just like love running and moving and that's what I learned best <laughs> so I you know I was always like involved in in activities and very active but I, I was like technically I had a lot to improve and like I, I wasn't like like you're not like born a soccer player but I just felt I fell so in love with it that I think like my passion drove me and then also like being on these teams with players that were so much better than me technically I was like, there are players from every single team I was a part of that I was like, I want to be like her technically. I always started on the, on the team as like one of the worst players. Like technically, I just wasn't very sound, but it, it always pushed me to get to the next level to play with better players. So that's why I, I always said, I always say to little kids, like get on a team where you're surrounded by better players. Or if you're on a team where you're one of the best players, play with boys, play like at the higher level, like whenever you can. Um, it's, it's so, so important because you're always constantly, you're constantly pushing yourself to be better without even knowing it. And I mean, that's why they're my best friends too, because, you know, I would never be where 
you know, I would never get to the level I got without every player and teammate in my life or coach or trainer um, that helped me along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's easy to get complacent if you're the best player on the team. So I think you're right to tell the little kids growing up, you know, always be on a team where you aren't the best and you can always improve. Right, right. Yeah, and and I think sometimes players get stuck there because they're like, you know, if they want to play at the next level, but they're the best player on their team, they like being the best player. But then, you know, you go to college and you're again, like you're at the bottom of the totem pole again. You know, and you have to work your way up. So it's really good to to just to just surround yourself with better players when whenever you can. You know, and even if you are the best player on your team and you're on a really great team, there's still somebody out there working harder than you, and there's still players that you can play with that are better than you. And I always tell young girls to play with boys because they're just faster. Once you hit like you know puberty and like you know they take off, they're taller, yeah. faster, stronger, and um, and it's just better to play with them. But, like, you know, I mean, doesn't mean they're better. I put in a lot more hours than so many guys I know, but they would they would crush me on a full field just because they're physically faster. Yeah, yeah, the athleticism yeah, I mean, is different. I think different. it's so important. I'd agree yeah, with you. Right, exactly. I, I just always, like, preach that to kids. I think it's really important. Yeah, for sure. That's great. And you guys won three state titles, Montclair aristocrats did, mm-hmm. didn't they? Um, long time ago. <laughs> was it three? <laughs> I think I read that. Yeah. That's I mean, we won, we won some great games, and we were a part of some awesome celebrations, and we had a lot of fun on the field with each other. It was just, it was always fun. Like, I'll never forget, like, just playing with, you know, growing up on a team like that. It was, like, beautiful to watch, beautiful to, like, connect with them, and um, there were some really talented players on that team. So, yeah, I think it was very bad memory over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. It's a great team, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. For high school soccer, you attend Ridgewood High School, where you had a great four-year career. Did you only play soccer in high school, uh, or did you play other sports, too? Um, I actually ran track, ran winter track as nice. well. What was your event? Yeah, so it was, I mean, it was a lot. I did a mile. I, I trained, I trained by doing, like, everything. Um, everything from 400 meters and up. Um, so, my 400, you know, 400, and then 600, 800, and then the mile. I ran all the faster events. Like, I ran, like, the shorter events mm-hmm. to train for the mile, because that was, like, my main race. Um, and then I also ran like the two mile, the train for the mile, but the mile was really the one that I kind of excelled in. Um, I was a pretty good miler actually. Nice. Um, yeah, but I, nothing compared to soccer for me, but it was a good way to train and running is a great way to train. It's just like me- mentally it, it can burn you out if you don't, if you don't take time to yourself and like rest. I, I remember that one season I was running track and playing soccer so I was like going from track practice after running like six miles oh, wow. and I was like you know I got in the car and went to soccer practice because I didn't want my coaches my club coaches to, to yell at me for like <laughs> missing any practice there were a few there were a few of us that ran track and they weren't very happy with it or like Ooh. played another sport you know they're just like it's got to be soccer only um but yeah I mean I remember that and I remember like I was 
because I always ran with the boys and I was running with, like, I was running next to one of my sister's two years older than me, a year and a half older than me, one of her good friends, is, he was on the team and he was like kind of setting the pace and he looks over at me. He's like, are you okay? And I was like, hysterically crying. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'm so tired. He's like, it's okay, Kelly, you can stop. And we're on like a, a, a six mile run and it, it was like just halfway through. And I was like, no, I can't, I can't stop. And it was just like, I, I just remember like, you know, at that age, you, you, you don't know much, but you're pushing yourself so hard and you're like, I have to do this. I have to do this. But like, I think it, it just kind of brings me to the topic and conversation of like how we have to take care of ourselves mentally, you know, just as much as we do physically. And I know there's more of an emphasis on that now, mm-hmm. in sports, but it never really was growing up. So it was like, I have to do it all. And I just put that pressure on myself. I was like kind of a perfectionist and, you know, I excelled at both sports. Like I was, a, I was like a top eight. Um, I think I was like top six in the state for the mile. Wow. And I was like pushing myself to like beat the five minute mark. And I was like, this is, you know, I have to do this. So kind of like set those, you know, standards for myself. And, but yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta take a break sometimes and you have to like listen to your body. Yeah. It sounds like you exhausted yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what did you do when you did kind of, hit that wall sort of did you stop doing soccer did you stop doing track yeah I just did winter track um yes I did it one or two seasons and I that was it you know I only did it in the winter um and then I played soccer all year round so yeah I mean soccer is a huge commitment like you need to you need to put all your time towards that I played probably six days a week like it was no joke it was just you know, it's like if you, I mean, if you, for me, it was like I had my sights set on the national team and there was like no other way forward for me. I was like, this is my future and I'm going to do everything I can and make it happen. So, you know, track kind of, track helped me, helped me become a better athlete and get better at my sport. And I was also pretty good at it, mm-hmm. but I knew that soccer was like the number one track for me. So number one track, I didn't even <laughs> say track 12 No times, pun intended. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess I guess to answer that question, I I didn't run track any more seasons than the winter, and that was like kind of a decision based off of like I need to focus my efforts towards soccer, slash I don't want to burn myself out, and this sport is going to burn me out. Yeah, I would have collapsed if you told me I had to run track and then go to soccer and run again. I know. I mean. You don't think at that age. You just do it. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, like, now I'd be like, hell no. Now I'd be dead. I so. mean, now, yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, my gosh. We would go to tournaments, and we would play five games a weekend. I was like, how is that possible? Wow. I mean, you, yeah, I mean, you look yeah, on the TV, like, you know? professional soccer players, they're only playing right. once a week. Right. Right, yeah, you play once a week in college, or you play twice a week in college. Professionally, once a week is math. But, you know, you have a great rigid career. You score 78 goals and have 52 assists. Incredible. You're fourth all-time at Ridgewood in goals, second in assists, and you have the fourth highest points in program history. Cool. I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Ridgewood, there were were a lot of, um, a lot of, great players that went through the program and players that like I 
I really looked up to. And I don't know, for me, soccer was never about like the accolades or the goals and assists. It's like, if you make it about that, then you're, you're not going to get very far. Like it's a team uh-huh. sport. And I don't know, I, I, I guess that's just how I look at it. But um, I feel like the reason, the reason behind playing for me was always team and it mattered more than individual, but, but yeah, I mean, it definitely, um, I think what it is is a reflection of like how hard I worked because I don't think any of those, not any, but I don't think all of those goals were like spectacular. It's like a lot of my goals in my career in in high school and, um, in college was like me, like making the run that like needed to be made, but, I was in the right place at the right time and, you know, saw the opening and saw the, the right time to go. And I just, you know, I tapped, it was a tap in or it was like a placement, you know, it wasn't these like crazy goals outside the box. Of course there were those like where I, you know, had some diving headers and some really like exceptional moments in my career that I'm proud of. But like, yeah, I mean, I think the number of goals for me was just like a reflection of how hard I worked. Yeah, and a reflection of your soccer IQ, you said, you know, being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, yeah, I guess a little bit of that thing. And also during your senior year in 2008, you're named Bergen County Player of the Year, which I think is great, obviously, but it's also great knowing that IHA had a crazy year with a really good players. You know, we spoke about Jacqueline Wood, and they gave it to the public school kid. I think that's awesome. <laughs> Go public school, woo! <laughs> but I mean, if Woody had gotten it, I would have been happy for her. <laughs> yeah, probably no. deserved it more. Ah, that's nice of you to say. She's yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. And you know, in general, North Jersey has great soccer. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. North Jersey is a great, 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 great soccer county, um, or like Bergen County, just that area in general. You know, the, the system's kind of changed a little bit. Um, so you can't really compare high schools, but, like, you would compare club teams, and we always had some big rivalries with, like, um, PDA, Ibernia, um, Mount Laurel, and a lot of the girls that I faced in um, high school, I played against in, in college at, like, different D1 schools, or they went to different D1 schools, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a testament to how good it is. Yeah, for sure. So what was the recruiting process like for you? So because my team um, was, like, pretty well known and my coaches were, were pretty connected to college coaches, they did a great job kind of, like, reaching, helping those coaches um, reach out to us. And because we were high up in the ranks, we got into some big tournaments where the college coaches were able, like, you know, we got exposure to the college coaches. Um, I feel like for me, the recruiting process, I feel sorry for the kids right now going through it because they're not getting the looks, you know, at the uh, age yeah. that I did. And it was pretty, it was pretty for, for me, like the track wasn't as, as grueling as it is for some people. Like for a kid that might be a great player that isn't, that's on like an okay team that's not getting a look at tournaments, um, it's more difficult, but I felt, I feel like for me, I was, you know, on a, on a great team. We got into the tournaments. There were always college coaches. I reached out to a couple of them. We kind of had a list of schools. Like, my dad was a really big part of it, it for me. Like, he really helped me with the process of finding the right fit for me academically, um, socially. And 
soccer-wise, for me, kind of was the determining factor. So I was like, okay, I want to play in the ACC. So I checked that off. Mm-hmm. So how many schools are in the ACC? What is it, like, 12? Um, you know, it was the best soccer conference in the country. I wanted a good enough academic school where it was going to, like, push me, but soccer was, like, my main focus. Um, and it was cool. Like, I cared about the football program, and I wanted to go somewhere where I was going to play. And I really, really loved the coaches at the time, um, Kelly Cagle and Chugger. Chugger's now the head coach. Um, and they just gave me this, this feeling of, like, okay, you're going to play. Like, we want to build this team around you was kind of, like, the conversation. And I was like, okay, well, they just blew me away. Like, they said all the things I wanted to hear. I loved the campus. And then I spent the night with the girls. It was like, a, you know, when you do your official visit. And the girls, it's like really like down to earth and all like very welcoming. And when you're like, you know, when you're a senior in, or a junior in high school, like looking to move away from home, you're looking for those things to like home. So Virginia Tech definitely gave me that. It was also, it was funny because I was looking at UVA as well. Um, oh, wow. And, Steve Swanson was, um, he was the coach at the time. And, you know, they were both like at the top of my list. And I was like, which one is it going to be? And I did the whole thing, the official visit there as well. Um, And for me, I just, I felt like I was going to start and play at um, Virginia Tech. And I knew I would, like, I wanted to be a part of a program that like wasn't established yet. I wanted Mm. to be a part of like a building program and, they were like, listen, like you are top midfielder right now. We're looking, you know, we really, really want you. But UVA was like, you know, we have, you know, some of these spots filled already and we see you having potential, but it, it wasn't a convincing enough conversation where it was like, we're going to start you and play you every minute of every game, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which yeah. you, you, you never have that guaranteed going in. You're not like, just because you sign a piece of paper, it doesn't mean you're going to play every minute of every game when you go in to school two years later, like you might not perform. Like there are some girls that are like got soccer, got soccer's top a hundred recruits and they don't play at the schools that they go to because, you know, they peaked in high school and then at the college level, they just don't, they're, they're they don't do as well. Yeah. So you're absolutely really right. That happens. Of, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult, you know, from both sides, from the college coaches side, who gives them full scholarship. And then also, you know, the player's side deciding and picking the right school for them. So, yeah, I mean, the college process is different for everybody, but well, I mean, I would get, you know, the best advice from coaches and trainers on, on, you know, what your priorities are going to school. If you're totally soccer focused, if you're more academically inclined, um, there's like a lot of factors involved. So I'd write out like your pros and cons list for each school. And if you want, if you want your life to be a soccer, you know, and you want it to be competitive and you want to make it, you know, the center of your life in college, you know, you're going to spend more hours with your team on the field in the off season playing, um, than at a D1 school than you would at like a D3 school. Um, or an Ivy League school. You know, a lot to talk about with the recruiting process, but that was kind of my track. Yeah. It sounds like you had a good track, as you said, like easier than some people have it. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. I mean, in terms of recruiting, I, I think I got, yeah, I think I, I got pretty lucky with the fact that, you know, I 
the coaches were at the gate at, at a game where they saw me play and they really liked me. Um, and, and yeah, it wasn't, you know, I had to reach out to the schools. I had to make things like I had to write the emails out to every coach that I wanted to pursue, but I was also, I think being a part of a good team and getting into those tournaments is key and getting in front of the college coaches or, you know, sending film in and getting their attention and being, you know, polite and, and introducing yourself and, and being on their radar, really. Yeah. So I have a kind of a weird question for you. The shooting at Virginia Tech okay. happened in 2007. You committed shortly yeah. after, what, a year or, two, or a year later. Did that shooting give you any yeah. hesitation to pick Virginia Tech? No, it actually didn't. Um, when I went on campus, I got, like, the feel of the school. I, I didn't – I was like – wow, you would never think a shooting would happen in a school like this. Mm-hmm. And that just made me realize, like, this could happen anywhere. Um, yeah, But it's, true. like, the most peaceful, like, Blacksburg, Blacksburg, Virginia is, like, the number one place to raise a family in the country. Like, great football program, like, great town, like, lovely people. So it's really interesting how that happened, but it, it didn't, you know, it definitely affected the classes before me, and we heard stories. Um, but it really makes me even more, you know, proud to be an Okie because of just the resilience of all the people that I was surrounded by and just the school in general and how the Okie community is so, so close-knit and tight. Um, I think extra close-knit because of the, because of, you know, the history of the shooting and what happened on campus. Yeah, they did a great job rallying around the school and the community. And you're right, you should absolutely be proud to be a Hokie. Yeah, yeah, thanks. As you mentioned, you know, you wanted to play in the Atlantic Coast Conference, which is a monster soccer conference. Virginia Tech is a good program, but you're going up against UNC, Virginia, Duke, Florida State. So you really can't take a night off in the ACC. Yeah, that is so true. I mean, it's like you can't, you know... In season, you have, like, your out-of-conference games, and then you go into conference. So when you're out of conference, you're like, okay, we need to win every single one of these games to put ourselves in a position where we're going into the ACC conference, like, on a really good note, like, really strong. Um, And, you know, we can – you can't afford – like you said, you can't afford to have an off game or you can't afford to take the night off. But it's, you know – I don't know if it's even ever happened. You're not going to win out the ACC conference. And I don't know if it's ever, it's probably been done in the past. Like UNC has been a powerhouse, but like you said, like, like Forest, Duke, Florida State, Miami, um, UNC, there's just, it's, it's loaded with talent and Clemson's in it now and State. So even like a, a, a weaker school, like NC State, which isn't even weak, but like, you know, like comparatively, it's like, they could beat you on any given night. So, it's like you said, you gotta you gotta be strong for it and ready. That's why that's why I went there, though. I, I mean, it was a challenge from the start to the end. Yeah, and you want to play in a in a good conference. Yeah, I mean, I, I think another another thing with playing in that conference is if you have it, some really big wins, it puts you in a better position RPI wise. Like, yeah, your I forget what RPI stands for, but uh, that's gonna be. That's going to bother me. 
but it puts you in a better position uh, to get into the NCAA tournament. For sure. You play right away at Virginia Tech. You actually make the ACC all-freshman team, which is, as we're talking about, you know, ACC being a great conference, that's a tough team to make. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that. Um, I did well. <laughs> I did well my freshman year. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just was so, like, I was, I was just, like, so ready for college. Like, I was so ready to be a part of it, and I, like, embraced every bit of it, like, the whole like hokey pride thing, the whole team. And, you know, when you're a freshman, you like really want to make your seniors proud and you want to make your coaches proud. And um, yeah, I mean, I did well. I played, I played a little bit of, I played attacking mid and then I played a little bit of like outside mid. Um, They kind of tried me around. That was a fun year. We had a great senior class. We had, I mean, we just had a great team that year and it was the first time we got to the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament, um, which was, you know, kind of, unexpected for us yeah i think you got it you guys got a three seed that year pretty good oh nice you <laughs> did your research girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> i try <laughs> yeah i mean we kind of got you know with the ncaa tournament it's, it's, it's a little bit of luck like if you get a if you get like a, a you could get a good seed but then you could also play a really tough competitor in the first round and get knocked out so if I remember right, oh, I don't remember right, but I know we went to Ohio. We played, I think we played Dayton that year. We played Murray State, and we played one more team before going to Portland um, to play. Uh, before going to Portland to play in the Sweet 16, and then got crushed in the Sweet 16, like four to one, and like the pouring rain. But you know, it was a great experience and kind of like set the standard from there on out. It's like, all right, let's get back to the Sweet 16 every year. Absolutely. And Portland has a really good team, right? Didn't Megan Rapino play there? Yeah. yeah she wasn't there when I was there, though. Yeah, no, I just meant that it's a great program. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're right. You're right. They had Daniel Foxhoven on their team when I was there, and she was, she was an amazing player. I think she played um, with Portland Thorns for a while, too. So. Oh, wow. And it's yeah. worth noting, you actually scored your first college goal in your first college game. <laughs> yeah, I actually did that three years in a row. Jesus. <laughs> I, was, I was so ready for the season. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. It's awesome. I was like, let's go. <laughs> and you guys make the NCAA tournament every season you're at Virginia Tech, which is quite impressive. Yeah, I mean, we definitely, um, our class definitely, and the class above us, and, you know, every, everybody there that was before us, but our, you know, coming in, it was, our class definitely made a big, made a big impact, um, which was exciting. Like, we were all just so, so close. I think that was really what defined us, if you ask any, anybody on the team, was like, we just played so well together because we loved each other, and, you know, there weren't any big time, like, national team players on our team that were, you know, carrying us through. It was just like a solid group of really good players. Um, but my fifth year, we got to the final four with. Yeah, I mean, good team chemistry is all you need. Yeah, I mean, definitely takes you far. Like, you, ha- you definitely have to have, like, those values, and you have to be able to, like, lean on each other and figure it out. It, didn't, it wasn't just like, oh, this year we, we did really well. It was like, 
since our freshman year, sophomore year, like building the program up, you know, it takes a lot, just like the classes before us built it up to where, you know, to where we were when I came in as a freshman. When I was a fifth year senior, we left it in a place that was like, all right, this is a standard now. We've gotten to the final four, you know, like this is what this program can do. Um, like no pressure. It's not like that, but it's like, you guys, you guys are capable of that. And this is, you know, this is our values and they're still instilled in the team. Um, it's a cool culture to be a part of. And, and yeah, we really built it up from, you know, from the bottom. It was, it was fun to be a part of it. And you said that was one of your goals. That was what you were looking for when you looked at college as being a part of a team that wasn't established yet and really building something. And as you're talking about, you obviously did that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really, I really took it like soccer was like my job when I went to college. <laughs> I, just, I looked at it as my job and, and I really felt like, you know, like this is my major, like this is what I'm here for. And I took it very, very seriously. So um, I was, yeah, definitely proud of that. I mean, it's more than just you and it's more than just your team, you know, especially being part of a, a community like Virginia Tech where, you know, they have the shooting. It's just, you, you feel like you're playing for something like way bigger, way bigger than yourself. Absolutely. More of the same great play for you, sophomore and junior year. You start every game those three years. And in those three years, you score 26 goals, you have 23 assists, and you lead the team in game winners. Do you remember how many game winners you had? I think it was something around like 13 or 14. Um, but wow. I, I actually don't know. After your junior year in 2012, you joined the W League. Can you explain what that league is? Yeah, so you know what? I don't know if it's around anymore or if it's as popular anymore, but it's basically a summer league um, where, you know, you're just, you're just playing for a summer team. So it's a club team in the summer. Um, some of the programs are supported, you know, through, um, through their, like, academy. So, like, the W League, there was, like, a men and women's W League. And this team that I played up in Ottawa, we were fully, like, like they paid for our food. They paid for our gas. Um, they set us up in apartments. And it was, like, the closest thing to, like, a professional environment that you would get. Um, and it was, a, you know, it was just, like, the summer league team. So, yeah, I mean, not all W League teams are like that. Most of them, like, provide your uniforms for you and provide, like, snacks during and after games. Um, but most of them, you know, you just live close to a W League team. Um, and then... You play there in the summer, but this one was one of the more, I guess, supported of all W League teams. I don't think they're actually around anymore. I don't think the Ottawa Fury is around anymore, sadly. Um, they might have a W or a men's league, but they don't have their women's team anymore. I don't know. You're, you're going to have to check on that. Yeah, I'll have to. <laughs> How was it living in Canada <laughs> for a bit? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I've never, I actually have some. Canadian blood in me. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> it was a lot. Let me put it that way. Um, I loved living in Canada, but I pushed myself, like, too hard to the point where I was, like, totally burnt out by the end of my, um, by the end of my uh, fall or spring season. 
as a junior going into my senior year. And then four days later, like after my season or after the school year was over, I drove straight from Virginia Tech up to Ottawa and started playing. And we were just playing every day. And um, I was playing through some like head symptoms, which later I was diagnosed with concussions, which took me out of my senior year in college. So, you know, my experience in Canada at the W League, it's like, it, it was an amazing experience in terms of the players that I played with. I played with some incredible talent, like Kat, Kat Williamson. She played for the Portland Thorns for a little bit. She was a great player. Um, Mallory Outerbridge, who she's from up there. Um, Emily Dowd, a couple other players. There's a couple in there I'm definitely forgetting. They were just great girls. We were, we were with, you know, we were surrounded, like, around each other all the time. So it was, like, definitely a family knit kind of tight, tight-knit group of people. Um, but, I, but I got injured after that. But, yeah, we played. We won the whole thing. We ended up winning the whole thing. Um, I was, like, actually my last game before my concussion was the championship game, and I took the fifth and final penalty kick to, uh, to win the whole thing. Wow, that's an amazing moment. Yeah, it was just. There's nothing that's going to ever come close to scoring a penalty kick, like, ever in my life. Like, I don't know. Those, those kind of moments are just, like, just like, you could never match that feeling. Yeah, no, especially one that wins a championship. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was exciting. I remember I put the ball down, and I looked at the goalkeeper, and I was like, this is going in. <laughs> hey, you got to have confidence. It, I, I like, like it. In my mind, I was like, yeah, in my mind, I was, like, psyched. So I was like, yes! I can't wait. I can't wait to put this away. Got it. That's amazing. <laughs> Gotta love that confidence. As you mentioned, the head injuries, you're having a dream soccer career at this point, and you're about to hit some major adversity. In the fourth game of your senior year, you get a concussion that sidelines you for the season. So can you kind of talk about what happened and the severity of it? Yeah, um, it's actually interesting, the severity of it. It wasn't a hit that I was like, not old. Anybody would look from the outside and say she just got a concussion. Um, it was a diving header, actually. Um, I forget who we were playing, but it was in the box. I was trying to score a goal off of the cross, so I dove and I had the ball. And then I got up feeling busy, and I just finished out the game, didn't say anything until the end of the game. And then went up to my trainer and I was like, I'm just like, I'm not feeling good. I'm, I'm really not feeling well. I, you know, I took that ball on the top of my head and just feel like nauseous. And then it's so interesting because when you read stories, like I've read, read up on it so much, but, you know, sometimes those like minor hits are the ones that just, it was kind of like the, the straw that broke the camel's back. It was like, I just could not take any more hits. And that's wow. when I look back on it, that's how I feel about, it was accumulation, micro concussions. It was accumulated like little, you know, little knocks or little head injuries that I just didn't take seriously enough and played through. Um, and those are really like the most dangerous ones because they just add up and you don't realize, you know, how they can really have long-term damage and like affect you. And it affected me for three years. I, I couldn't get back on the field for those three and a half years that I was out of the game trying to figure out symptoms and trying to navigate this, like, this new world I lived in. So you just kept having those symptoms, huh? 
Yeah, um, the worst symptoms were the headache. And I really, I, I was struggling with that a lot. And the light sensitivity and noise sensitivity, I, I just like didn't feel like myself anymore. Um, I just was like, I didn't want to be around people. I had previously been like a very social person. And I was like, you know, whether it had to do with only the concussions or whether it had to do with the fact that I lost my sport and lost like my, you know, what I put my entire life into. Um, maybe, you know, that kind of, ha- that could have had that effect as well. No, still to this day, but so no, it was probably a combination of the two. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I went through like a lot of depression and anxiety during that time. Um, just trying to navigate those roads were weird. I felt so, so lost, uh, yeah, for a really long time. And yeah, I mean, there, you know, post-concussion syndrome is, is real. Um, you know, still stuff that I deal with today. And I'm not fully, like, I feel better, but that affected my life in a way that, I mean, I guess any experience is going to affect your life like that. Like, three and a half years out of the game, you lose your sport, um, you know, you go through trauma with it, and, you know, you don't know why, you don't have answers. Um, it's, it's pretty traumatic. I mean, concussions are really, 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 really difficult to manage. And not unless you have one, do you really understand what it means when someone says they don't feel like themselves. And I think one of the hardest parts was that it was so hard to explain it to people because I felt so weak. I was like, I would literally, you know, and my, my teammates knew it. They're like, she, you know, she, if she had a broken ankle, she'd play through it. Mm-hmm. But this was an injury where it was invisible. And I was like, you know, almost like, I, I almost didn't trust myself over it. I was like, am I really hurt? And then I would go back and play. Or I would like go for a long run, try to push myself like too hard. Or try to push myself like past my limit. And I, I throbbing headache and I would sleep for like 15 hours and it, it was like my body was like, Ellie, you have to rest. <laughs> you have to relax and rest. And this is what it is in terms of like concussion research where it is today and where it was back then. You know, they made a big jump. They've definitely taken strides in the concussion world um, with treatment and, and protocol and, and, you know, the steps to take to heal. Um, whereas it used to be a sit in a dark room and, you know, don't look at your phone and don't do anything like that. Instead of that, they now kind of push you to slowly, like, try to get back on track and try to, like, run and, 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 and lightly train, like, lightly train on a bike, like, non-impact work. Um, it's changed a little bit in terms of therapies and modalities to to heal yourself which is exciting to see uh there's also more talk about it now and people are more open about it than they've ever been um and there's people coming out and opting not to play their sport like in the the nfl like players are like i'm not playing anymore because i know that i'm hurt um and you know they have so much on the line so i give them a lot of credit for that um you know, they have money on the line, but then there's also a huge identity piece with it. It's like, when I lose my sport, who am I now? 
And, you know, I still, I'm 29 years old and I still deal with that a little bit. Um, we're going to, we might get into that like in a little bit, but like I ended up coming back to play, but you know, now that I don't have my sport, it's, I'm, it's figuring out like the whole identity piece of who, who am I Kelly Conini with, without a ball at my feet and do I have to still, you know, be the soccer player that I've always been because that's what I've done my whole life. So that's a huge component of, of it as well. Wow, yeah, you said a, a lot of great things in that. And, and first off, I'm so sorry you went through that because you're right, you know, at that point, what are you, 20, 20 21, all you know is soccer, You've have, you're having this great career, you know, everything's on track. And then this concussion syndrome just takes you completely out. And as you said, it's, it's invisible. So people are probably looking at you like, oh, she looks fine. Whereas if you had like a broken ankle and you had a cast on, people could tell you were okay, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's the piece that I think a lot of people, like, a lot of people don't know how to deal with as well because they're like, it's like their mind's kind of playing a trick on them of like, am I okay? I don't know. Like, there's no star or anything to tell me, like, no timeline to tell me when I should return. But it's a really tricky injury. For sure. And headaches, I mean, those are awful. I, I suffered through a time in my life where I got tension headaches, and I'm sure those are nowhere near what you went through, but they sucked. Like, I, like that's such a terrible thing to go through. Yeah, no, a headache, a headache, a headache. Like you, you, if you experience tension headaches, you know how, like, debilitating it is and how it, like, just ruins your day. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. You know? For sure. Yeah, I mean, so... I think the, the thing with concussion symptoms is it's hard to really pinpoint, you know, which one is the most overwhelming. Headaches are, you know, symptoms that are very, it's very easy to talk about them and everybody knows how a headache feels. So it's like, yeah, like I had headaches and that's the best way to explain what, I'm fe- what I was feeling when I was going through the worst of my symptoms. But it really was a whole mix of, I would say like 10 different symptoms of like grogginess, like feeling like out of it every day, feeling like I couldn't think straight, like feeling like really lost and like over emotional, like crying over stupid things that like don't make sense to cry over, like Mm -hmm. in the candy aisle at the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) I think the thing that is frustrating and is really hard. I've, I've probably said it a hundred times to doctors, every single doctor I've ever been to is relaying, like telling them my symptoms over and over again, but it, they overlap. Like these symptoms overlap with other things. Like you could be dehydrated and feeling all these things. So for, I swear for so many years, I was just like, what are these symptoms attached to my concussions or are they attached to something else? Hmm. Am I feeling these symptoms from something else? So it's a really, really frustrating injury. Yeah, very frustrating. Because you had only yeah. played in four games senior year, you're able to come back for a fifth year, and you do, but, you know, as we talked about, you can't play still. Did you ever think about trying to go back for a sixth year, or at that point did you just kind of say, okay, my career's over at, the, at this point? Yeah, um, I didn't even think about going back to play a sixth year. You can't actually 
do that. You can only try to come back and play a fifth year. Um, I don't think you can. Like, I don't, I, I didn't think that was even an option. There's special circumstances where you can. Okay. Um, I didn't think I would ever play soccer again, so I didn't see the reason, a mm-hmm. reason why I would come back and play. Yeah. And to be, to be completely honest, it was just the entire, like, year and a half long process, or really, like, yeah, year and a half long process of going through all that not being able to play, but like trying to come back and play was just so, it was so, so hard. And like, I was in such like, a, I was just so down about it that I was like, am I going to just do this again for a whole nother year? Um, and you know, the outcome's not going to be, it's probably not going to be any different. I didn't have answers and I didn't, I didn't think I would get better. So I had pretty much given up on, on it at that point. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And Virginia had made it all the way to the final four of the College Cup in 2013. I can't imagine how hard that must have been for you as a player. You know, your dream, you dream of making the final four. Your team gets there. You're obviously so happy for your team. That's got to be hard that you can't play in it. Yeah, I mean, it was like, it was like a knife in my heart. It was like so, so hard. But it was, you know, I was also... It was a torn feeling because I was so happy for my team. And, like, I did feel a big part of it, but I wanted to be out there with them because that's how I felt I could best help the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of found my place my, my fifth year, like, on the sideline as a sideline coach, like, really kind of just helping the players when they came off the field. Like I said, like, before, you know, I, I see the game well and I can give good advice to the players that are on the field you know, like I, I knew my players so well, like I knew my teammates so well. So as, you know, as hard as it was being on the sideline, I kind of embraced that role in a way, was able to help my player, you know, help my teammates from the sideline and give them, give them the best advice I could. That's great. And you kind of take that with you because after you graduate from Virginia Tech, you join coaches across continents. Can you explain what that is and what your role was? Yeah. So for Coaches Across Continents is a nonprofit organization. Um, they use soccer as a social tool to educate in third world communities. So basically, I was in 13 countries in a year in probably like 20 plus communities in Southeast Asia, Africa, and South America. And going into communities, we partnered with local organizations we would pass the tools on through different games of soccer. We would pass the tools on to their coaches and their coaches would then, you know, coach their players. So it was like a sustainable model of, um, of impact. And yeah, I mean, I, I had, you know, that was a life changing experience. I mean, I feel like my twenties were like full of just like life changing, like highs and lows. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome that you got to travel. Yeah. Oh, that was, it was awesome. I mean, it, it was, I traveled like exactly how I wanted to travel in my twenties. Like right after college, I was like, okay, I want to travel with like little to nothing, like out of a backpack. I don't want to like live in like glamorous places. I want to live in places that, you know, are very local so I can get a feel for the culture of different communities. And I always wanted to go to Africa. I spent, I spent time in Africa. I spent, a lot of time in Africa. I was in six countries. 
Um, I was in South Africa, Zambia, Tanzania, um, Uganda, Kenya, and the Congo. Um, and I just got, you know, I got a feel for like all those cultures and met some incredible people. I had like so many like African moms that just like welcomed me into their home. I slept on their like couches and mud hut floors and like just really lived like a local. Like it was, I ate their food and, um, I, you know, I had to figure out how to live over there. So it was really like thinking back on it, I give my parents a lot of credit because that's like a scary situation to let your kid, you know, just after college kind of like spread their wings and, and, and go all around the world. So I give them a lot of credit for letting me do that. Um, but I was with a, an organization that was totally safe and, you know, was really making a difference in the world. So they thought it'd be very valuable for me. And it really, really was. Absolutely. Yeah, those are experiences you'll remember forever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm still really connected with them, too, and they're still doing amazing work, and they're always in new places and new countries. So um, the founder, Nick Gates, is one of my good friends, and Nora Dooley, who runs, like, the women's, the women's female empowerment segment, um, and Brian Seskovitz, Charlie Crawford. So you do that for a year. And then you decide to get back into soccer. So how did you get back into soccer and was it safe for you to do so? Yeah. So what happened was when I came back from Coach Cross Continent, um, I was like fully prepared to like hang up my fleet. But there was always this like thought in my mind because I had played my entire life and like it was always my dream to play professionally. But there was this, you know, thing in my mind where I was like, I, I need to play. Like, I, I just really need to see if I'm okay to play. Like, I really need to get, like, the expert advice from, like, the best doctors out there. Um, and if they're like, you can't play, you're, like, too injured, then I just, like, needed answers, you know? Mm-hmm. I, would have, I would have hung on my boots if they were like, here, this is the treatment plan. You know, you need to get better. But they were like, listen, there's treatment options. For you and if you feel well enough you can get back out on the field so i took their um i took their advice on the treatment plan did a couple of different types of therapy to address like multiple symptoms um that had to do with like different parts of so there's like ocular therapy there's exertional therapy um there's vestibular therapy and all of them, yeah, I mean, all of them kind of mixed together. You know, I, I, I worked really hard to just get back and, and work myself back into shape. Um, and then there's an NWSL team. NWSL is the National Women's Soccer League, and they're the professional league in the United States. There's 10 teams right now. One of them is in the state of New Jersey called Sky Blue, and they're – you know, pretty much right down the street from me. So I ended up going into an open tryout with Sky Blue um, and made it through with three other players and then got a contract. And, um, yeah, three of us three of us made the team, three of us out of, I don't even know how many people were at the tryout, but like 100 girls, and three of us got contracts and we got paid. Why? Yeah. It's an incredible story that you make a 20-woman roster 
After all that time out of soccer, it was over three years. <laughs> yeah, and it's so interesting because it's like, I was like, oh, I, you know, I was around soccer all the time, playing around the world, you know, with coaches across the continent, jumping into like pickup games, but you really don't lose, like you don't, the only thing that you really lose, like you don't lose your touch. Obviously, like you can work it to get back. It doesn't just go away as if you didn't work on it for years and years and years. Um, but you lose your game sense a little bit, and then you, you know, speed of play is something you have to adjust to. But, um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I prepared really hard. I worked really hard. I trained with, with guys, and I trained, like, every day to, to kind of get back. And, um, you know, I, I knew what to do. Like, my, my whole life I've been, like, I've been training, like, on my own. And, and I kind of just, you know, had the – knowledge myself to know kind of what to do to get back in shape and then I had you know a lot of help as well from from other trainers that I played with in the past in the area that like kind of let me jump in and and play with their teams so it was hard work and a lot of determination yeah that hard work paid off and somehow this story gets even more incredible because the opening game of the 2016 season is at Seattle against the Seattle Reign FC, which I believe had been undefeated at home at that point. Am I correct? Yeah, you are. <laughs> wow. Okay, so during this game, it's the 67th minute. You not only score a goal, but it's a goal against Hope Solo, who is arguably the best goalkeeper to ever play. Take me through the play and what you're <laughs> thinking. Um... Yeah, so Taylor Lytle, she is a player that plays for Utah Royals now. Um, she's kind of, she's one of those, like, savvy midfielders that can also play on the outside. She's got, like, I think the best part of her game is that she can, like, dink a ball in from anywhere and put it on somebody's foot. And she just finds, like, little through passes and, like, over-the-top passes that um, I think kind of go unrecognized sometimes, but she finds really good spaces in behind. And she just kind of took a look up. She was on the right side at the end line and crossed the ball, saw me at, like, coming to the back post, like, running to the back post. And she chipped Hope Solo and hit the crossbar, actually, came off the crossbar. And I had overrun the ball a little bit, so I had to kind of, like, donkey kick it into the net. And then, uh, yeah, that was the goal in the 67th minute. That's I don't insane. know how, like, I can't really explain how I felt, like, after that, I was just like, wait, what just happened? I scored, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like, it was one of those, like, you just sit on the field afterwards and, like, say, like, what? This is a whirlwind kind of experience. Like, you know, it's just, like, you know, a life-changing moment, and you're like, okay, I've done, you know, like, I, I did it, I can play in this league, like, I, I scored, you know, I played 90 minutes and held my own. Um, it was a pretty, pretty intense match. Just, I think the most, like, I don't know, maybe, like, exhilarating part of it was just, like, the speed of play and how fast, you know, how fast the NWSL is and, like, the professional league. And, you know, sometimes you're, you're used to comparing, like, men's soccer to women's soccer. And, like, that's what I hate about like, I, I hate the argument that, like, men's soccer is, like, more fun to watch and blah, 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 all this. It's like, yeah, of course men's soccer is going to be faster, but, like, and, and they can kick the ball, like, from one, you know, sideline to the other. But it also makes for a different game. Like, the women, like, we have to move the ball out of tight spaces, and we have to play super fast. And, like, 
and, and, and we have to be super technical because, you know, we can't kick the ball or we can't rely on our athleticism. You know, it's just not the same. It's not the same type of game, even though it is soccer, you know, it's soccer. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely obviously similarities. There's still differences in the women's game. So, um, but I, yeah, I mean, I just think it's, that's the biggest like difference between college and, um, and pro is how fast the game is at the pro level. Yeah, for sure. But Kelly, how has your story not been a 30 for 30? We got, we got to work to get this set to happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think there are really incredible stories out there. You just, you know, have to find them. Throughout that season, did you ever play timid, like kind of fearing that the concussions might come back or if you had the ball wrong, the whole thing's going to happen again? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely, there's definitely aspects of like going back to play where I wasn't fearful of heading the ball, actually. I definitely was like afraid that the symptoms would return. Um, and it ended up actually returning like six games in. Oh, God. Um, and I kind of ran myself again, like into the ground and I struggled to kind of get out of it. It took me kind of a while to get back. At the end of the next season, I was, I was um, a practice player for Sky Blue. And then I got picked up by Houston Dash at the end of the season. Um, and I ended up being, you know, rostered for them. Carly Lloyd actually went down with an ankle injury. And that was the reason I got rostered. Because oh, wow. I was there. And I was, like, kind of on a tryout. And, they, and Carly went down and she was a midfielder. And they called me and they were like, all right, we, we're going to sign you. Like, literally right after the game. That's amazing. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. So I packed my bags, went to Houston, finished, finished up with them. Um, you know, it was a good experience playing with them, like just seeing another team in the league. Um, but I, you know, I didn't play. And it was just like kind of a struggle for me to get out of this little, like, concussion hole almost that I was in where I was like feeling symptomatic and, you know, had to kind of like work through those symptoms. Um, but I was able to, I kind of knew how to manage my symptoms at that point, And I was able to, um, you know, take a rest, take a little bit of a rest and then come back strong and end up going into preseason with sky blue the following year. And then, um, and then ended up signing with a team in Sweden so I went to preseason with Sky Blue, but I was like, I want to go play overseas. And, um, yeah, I mean, that process kind of happened through my college coach. Um, Chugger put in a good word for me, and um, then we sent film over. They were looking for a midfielder, and the team, I don't know if people know the name, but Hammerby is the name of the team, and they're in the Dommelsvenskan, which is like the top league in Sweden. Um, so I ended up playing with them for the season, um, and then ended up kind of feeling symptomatic in the end again um, with concussion stuff. So ended up just hanging the boots, hanging the boots up and calling it, calling it quit. <laughs> wow. So first up, how did you like Sweden? Oh, it was amazing. Oh. I loved it. If I could, you know, if I were still playing today, I would definitely, um, I would definitely play in some other places overseas. I think there's a lot of great opportunities now in countries like 
England in the Premier League, um, Sweden in the Damelsvenskan, even the second league in Sweden, Meli Tetan is good. Um, Norway has some good teams. Spain has some good teams. Women's soccer is like growing around the world, which is so cool to see. Um, and um, I think it'd be cool to just play in, in those different styles and, and learn more about myself through those styles and cultures. And I'm just like a very, I'm such a travel, you know, bug. So I are <laughs> not sure. Tra- I'm not the travel bug. I have a travel bug. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I would, I would have loved to continue my career doing playing around the world. Um, but the NWSL is, you know, it's, it's also like the most competitive and the best league in the world. So it's, it's kind of just a, a matter of like what you're looking for in your career, uh, you know, what your sights are set on. If you're like, you know, looking to play on the national team, then the NWSL, like that's the pool of players that are going to be looked at for the national team. So um, I felt that at the end of my career, like I was ready to like go overseas and I was kind of like through my struggles and through my injury, I just kind of like my passion for like being on the national team. It wasn't like, this is end all be all for me anymore. Mm -hmm. And I knew when I had that feeling, I knew like what it was going to take to be on the national team. And I just didn't have that passion anymore. So, you know, that, that was kind of what gave me like the go ahead, like the green light to like be okay with like ending my career and moving on because you're not going to make the national team if you don't have that passion in your heart. You're just not. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to like one day, it's not going to be like, Oh, I just like, it's like, I just get, you know, got seen by, or I just landed here. It's like, you have to like those players like are the best in the world. They, you know, they're not all the same, but like their, their undying passion to be on the national team. Like it's like so cutthroat too. And it's like, you have to really, really want it. And you know, after all my injuries and kind of my perspective change on the world, like after doing coaches across continents and, you know, kind of realizing there was like a bigger place for me in this world. And it wasn't just on the field playing necessarily, but, um, I, I feel that like, I feel that I can make more of an impact, um, somewhere else, not, not necessarily in, in a competitive soccer, um, environment anymore playing like necessarily playing on the field but I could see myself like maybe coaching down the line Mm -hmm. um getting back on the field in some capacity that's what uh that's how I ended up here (laughs) and honestly I think that growth is beautiful how you know we talked about earlier when you were younger soccer was the end-all be-all you experienced some tough things you see the world you know you're an adult, you, you're living life, and you realize that, okay, there's more to life than this sport. I, I think that's really cool. Yeah, and I think it's a definitely a growing and learning process of going through it, and it's really hard. It's easier, like, it's easier said than done, you know? Like, I'm mm-hmm. speaking on it now, but through that whole process, I was, like, so, so lost, and it started with the concussion. I was like, what the heck am I going to do? This is all I know. Like, I put my like life on the line for this, I felt like, you know, and yeah. my whole mentality was just so driven to be that one thing. And when it was taken away, it took a long time and, you know, it's really hard to transition into, into life after sport. But I think like you said, it's so, 
beautiful to be able to to look back and see that now from like a healthy lens. Absolutely. A broader perspective. Yeah. And you talked about basically every step of your professional career with Sky Blue, with the Houston Dash, with Sweden, the concussion symptoms kept coming back. How is your head today? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel really good. I, I, I definitely focus a lot on yoga and running and meditating. Um, I've taken more of like a, um, a peaceful route instead of like you have to push yourself and do this and, you know, being very hard on myself. I've like tried to adopt more of like a, <laughs> like a spiritual kind of like um, accepting kind of like where I am in my life and learning to live in the present moment. I think yoga has really helped with that and meditating has really helped with that. Um, I think just with everything that I went through, um, meditating and yoga has really helped me see the full picture and help me focus more on, um, I guess, like living in the moment and 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 just enjoying enjoying things instead of like putting pressure on myself to to be this or be that. So I'm on um, a good track and in a good place right now. That's awesome. Sure. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, thank you. Of course. What have you been up to since your soccer career ended? So now I'm working for a company called Next Pro. Um, we're a videography company, so we sell like highlight reels. We're basically we offer a lot of different services um, for athletes. We offer like highlight reels, like film, pro feedback, where you can send your film to us and you can get it critiqued by a professional athlete. Um, yeah, we're we're really just a platform to connect. You know, like a transparent platform to connect athletes and uh, and college coaches. That sounds like a really cool job. Yeah, I mean, I, I really love it. I just started it, and it's exciting because I, I feel really motivated with it, and it's really like my first full-time, like, 9 to 5 uh, kind of deal, even during this kind of COVID weird time we're living in. Um, it's definitely something that I've been able to, like, focus my on and Good for you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Of course. And I hope you look back from time to time and just realize how great a story you really have with going through the concussions to ending up scoring a game-winning goal against Hope Solo. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's in the past, and I, you know, I appreciate my past, but I'm also, you know, like, looking forward to my future, and you know, it doesn't define me now. There's also this whole, like, who am I now? Kelly Cunningham as, you know, I'm not a soccer player anymore. Um, and trying to, like, define myself in, um, in a new way. So kind of trying to detach myself a little bit from Kelly the soccer player, but I do appreciate you saying that. And, and I, I am proud of, you know, my, my career, and I've gotten to a point where, you know, I can say that, so... Thank you. Of course. And, you know, you're right. You're going to do much greater things in your life than soccer. This is just one chapter. 
Yeah, um, I think it's right. It's just it's exactly. It's just one chapter, and I think um, I think life is you know about taking it moment by moment and just trying to do you know your best at whatever you're doing in that moment. So. I do feel like I did my best and gave it all, and that's why I feel like with soccer, I was able to walk away from it feeling like, okay, like I, I did, you know, I didn't, I didn't reach the goals that I set for myself in the beginning. Like I didn't make the national team, but in the end, like that wasn't the ending for me that it was put big. I wasn't supposed to make the national team, but I felt very, I felt very at peace when I walked away from the game, and I think. If you can walk away from something feeling satisfied and feeling like you gave it your all, then then you're done. You know, then you've done it, and you can, then you can move forward. And that's that's really it. Like that's the best feeling. It's not necessarily about reaching the goals. You realize it's all about like what you learn through the process of it all. That's amazing perspective. Good to have those goals for yourself, though. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's it's good to have those goals, but. Um, but yeah, it's about the process. Kelly, I like to end the podcast with a couple of fun questions. How does that sound? Yeah, awesome. I'm ready. All right. Which show are you currently binge watching in quarantine? <laughs> okay, so I've been super, super busy because I, you know, this is my new job. So, or I just got this new job. Um, mm. But I was watching Listen to Your Heart for a while, and I really loved it. It was like a spinoff of The Bachelor. and I Oh, I love everything Bachelor. Bachelor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was fun. That was fun. It was like a little bit like trying too hard like to make it something, but I, I enjoyed the singing. Like I love singing, so, and I love music, so it was, it was fun to watch. Yeah, the singers were good. I'd be interested to see if they do a season two because I don't think they got great ratings like compared to what they get for Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise. But it was a good watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't nearly as good, to be honest. All right. So I know you're living out in California now. What is your favorite place out there? So I live four blocks from the beach, and the beach is my favorite place. <laughs> or good my answer. balcony. I live on the third floor, and we have this like awesome balcony. And I mean, I'm just... I just like my simple things and my routine. Um, so I just wake up every morning and go for a run on the beach. And I, I just like love that I'm so close to the beach. Not a bad way to wake up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Kelly, last question. If you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? I would probably say, well, I would say my grandparents. Um, and then I would say Jim, like, to make it light, Jim Carrey. Oh, those are great answers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, you want to, you know, you see your loved ones that passed away. Um, I would say all the people close to me that passed away in my life, um, I would have lunch with them or dinner with them once more. Or if we want to end on a light note, I think, Having having dinner with Jim Carrey would be hilarious. He's like my favorite actor in the whole world, and he just makes the most incredible faces. <laughs> you know who else I would, I would really appreciate getting like getting time with is David Goggins. He's a Navy SEAL, and I listened to his book. His his book. He just wrote a book called "Don't Hurt Me" or "Can't Hurt Me," and his perspective is just like it's so. He's just like so. 
resilient. I mean, I, you just like, don't know anybody like him. It's crazy. Like his mindset is crazy. Oh, I recommend reading that or listening to it on audible. You haven't. Nice. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, definitely. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I had a blast talking with you. Yeah, of course. Thank you so, so much for having me and good luck with everything. Thank you. All right, everyone. That was my chat with Kelly Conheny. I hope you enjoyed it. Her story is incredible. Facing all that adversity, not giving up, becoming a pro, and scoring a goal off Hope Solo. Not many people can say they did that. Really happy to hear she's doing well. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.